Romans chapter 12, 9 through 21. Let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. For by so doing, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Let's pray. Our Father and our God, again, I just say thank you for the opportunity to stand in this pulpit this morning, to stand before this body of believers. And I pray, Father, for your guidance in all that I say and do. I pray for you to show me, Lord, your desire of uh, words. Bind my ideas and my thoughts, Father. Allow everything that comes out of my mouth to be glorifying to you. Father, again, we thank you for the opportunity to be here this morning. We ask you to be with those that are not able to be here. Just heal their bodies, Lord. Give them a peace and comfort that only you can provide. Father, we thank you, we love you, and we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Romans chapter 12. We'll be mostly in verse 15 and down this morning. Verse 15, um, start. well before I do that, I want, I want to say that um, my plans is to finish up this morning and move on to something else. Um, I figured out doing this, uh, doing this series, I remembered why I don't preach in series. I've got a list of sermons this long that I've thought of while I've been in this. And I keep thinking, well, I'll finish that up and then we'll... You have time to get some of those too. And I'm running out of time. I'm just dragging on and dragging on. Um, so what I may do is, is instead of like we've been rotating, I do a while and he do a while and I do a while. Well, I may do my, two of mine back to back this time. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I do plan on wrapping this up this morning. I'm not going to get all the way through it. I do know that. Um, and I'm not rushing, not my intention is to rush through it. Um, but at the same time, um, unless God reveals something otherwise, this will be as far as we go in this particular series um, is where we're going this morning, um, which in all honesty was my original intent, and then I added to it, and then it kept getting longer and longer, and I thought, I better cut that thing off. People's going to get tired of going to Romans chapter 12. Your Bible's going to be wore out to that spot. You don't even have to find it no more. You just open it and it falls there kind of thing. 
which, by the way, isn't a bad thing. Verse 15, rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Remember, we're talking about the marks of a true Christian. We're talking about characteristics or traits that Christians should have. People should be able to look into the church or look into a Christian's life and see these traits, see these characteristics. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Seems pretty cut and dry, doesn't it? Seems pretty, like a pretty simple thing. I should be happy because you're happy, right? I should be excited because you're excited. What prevents me from being that? What prevents me from doing that? What keeps me from rejoicing when you rejoice? Selfishness. Pride does. Pride gets in the way, right? This is one of the hardest things I ever had to learn, I do believe, as a Christian. Is this is one of the things that really showed me how big self really is. Is to look at something somebody else is doing and just rejoice with them because they're rejoicing over it. See, self wants to say, well, that ain't fair. Or that should be your prize, right? Or that should be you in that scenario. Or you deserve this, or they don't deserve, right? Rejoice with those who rejoice. Being able to suppress pride and suppress self because it's not in and of you to be able to do that. It doesn't come natural to you. That has been the theme throughout this series. These things do not come natural to you. They're not your default settings. But it is possible. It is possible for you to take on this set of traits and display these traits to the world, but only through the guidance of the Holy Spirit. That's all. That's, that's, that's the source for these things. So rejoice with those who rejoice, and weep with those who weep. Now I touched on this a little bit last week, but I'll go back to it and, and tell you, and finish the story, so to speak. What, what is required of me, for me to be able to weep when you weep? Compassion. One of my weak spots. Compassion. Where I've struggled more than I've struggled anywhere else in my spiritual walk is compassion. As a matter of fact, there was a time in my life as a minister that I sat in front of people doing counseling sessions, mostly marriage stuff, but not always. And I, and I just didn't get it. I just sat there and listened and watched them sob and they left and I was like, move on, grow up, get over it, whatever. And it was just a lack of compassion in me. And that's the honest to goodness truth. And I began to pray, God, give me compassion. I want to be able to sit in these, in these sessions and feel what they're feeling. I want to weep when they weep. I want to feel it so that I better understand it, so that I can better guide. Well, that began to happen. I can't even watch Andy Griffith without crying. I said, God, I didn't want to cry. I just wanted compassion. I didn't want tears. I just wanted compassion. But it re it's real. That's real. That's a real thing in my life. And, and, and it has really changed the way that, I, that I, we do counseling. Because now I, I can kind of better understand where somebody's coming from. Weep when they weep. Have compassion for people. This isn't limited to just people you love and care about the most. This, this, is, this is a broad statement. Weep when others weep. 
be able to be compassionate enough that when they're hurting, you're hurting with them. This is a part of being a part of a body, right? Doesn't the Bible tell us that we're a part of a body? Huh? And, and you know, one does their part and they do their part and this does their part and we function together as a body. Being a part of that body, even though it's just my right hand that's hurt, my left hand feels, feels that because now they got to step up and do a little extra, right? Ask Chris sitting back there all hobbled up. When, when one's down, other members of the body suffer from that, right? They have to pick up the slack. So they feel that pain. It's all connected and we're all supposed to be a part of this body. So rejoice when others rejoice means you're going to have to do away with pride. You're going to have to get over self. You're going to have to quit being jealous, right? Right. That hit a little further home, didn't it? And to be able to weep when others weep, you're going to have to have compassion. I told somebody this week, I can't remember who I was talking to. It was a husband and wife. Anyway, she said, you're going to have to have a little counseling session while you're here. And they told me the story, and I said, well, I can see the problem. He ain't got no compassion. Just, you know, we was just joking and cutting up. And I said, you know, I may not be the best person to talk to about this. You may need to call Kevin. <laughs> I'm better than I've ever been, but I still ain't where I ought to be with compassion. It just, it's just a struggle for men in general, I think. So that'd be one of those that we will have to work on maybe a little bit more than others. Verse 16, so, so look at here, we're, we're still talking about the, the uh, traits of a tr- Christian, the marks of a true Christian, the characteristics of a true Christian, of walking around in this world with Christianity. Rejoice when others rejoice and weep when they weep. Doing away with pride, gaining a little compassion. It's not in and of you to do away with pride. It's not in and of you to gain compassion. These are things that come from God. So if you see a lack, pray for those things. Ask for God to give you those things or help you with those things. Keep going with me. Verse 16. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Live in harmony. Don't be selfish. Live in harmony. You know, this is tough. And I'm going to tie this to a statement later in these scriptures. Live in harmony. Do everything you can do. If you'll drop down to verse 18. Do everything you can do. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. You know, I had, I, had a, I had a pretty good story that happened to me this week that I was going to share in this. And I got to church this morning and I got a better story. <laughs> because if it's... See, he starts out with where we started out up here at the top. Live in harmony with one another. It's our, it's our goal. It's our, it's, our, it's our duty as Christians to do everything we can do to live in harmony with people. Everybody around us. Remember, this is the outside world looking in on us and what they ought to see. So, so we should, with everything we've got in us, live in harmony with one another. Now, specifically inside the church. Specifically, right? But not limited to. Not limited to at all. 
but we ought to at least be able to master it in here because everybody in here ought to have the same mindset, right? Live in harmony with one another. That ain't just an instruction to me and Kevin as pastors. Y'all got to take that on too, right? So when you do that, and when we do that as individuals, then it becomes a, a group thing. I also want to point out that in... I've done this in Sunday school without intending to. In Scripture, everything is in proportion when, when we teach it. For example, works and faith. If I come in here and I preach to you, all that's required of you is faith. Faith of a mustard seed moves mountains, right? All you got to do is, is believe and receive, right? And I dig up my scriptures and I preach on faith for, for months and months. You can walk away from that with a mindset that all that's required of you is faith. That's not true. I can do it the other way too. I can come in here and point out to you all the scriptures and all the instances where it works, Right? Works are required of you. And you'll walk out of here after all that said and done going, i got to earn my salvation. i got to keep busy or I'll lose it. That's not true. They balance one another, right? They both, they both exist and they have to coexist. What about the love of God? You can't take that too far. Yeah, you can if you leave out the vengeance of God, if you leave out the wrath of God. You'll begin to believe if all you ever look at and all you ever study and all you ever hear about is the love of God, you'll get the impression you can live however you want to because God is so loving, He's not going to do anything but love you. Right? But there's a certain amount of the wrath of God that has to be figured into that for you to understand that God is a very loving God. But He can be pushed to a point where His wrath is released. Go talk to Noah. Right? That was the wrath of God. The entire world got destroyed, right? So everything is in proportion. So when we start talking about things like this right here, I don't want you to get lost in it and start to believe that I'm telling you that it is up to you to just completely be in harmony with everything around. Ooh, and all is well. Ooh. I don't want to paint that picture to you. I want you to see all the Scripture. And it, I didn't have to go far to find it. Right? He says live in harmony and, and He means that. That's what He means is for us to live in harmony with one another, to do everything we can do to get along with people. But He also says in verse 18, if possible, so far as depends on you, live peaceably with all. Well, if you look at that text, it tells you something. First of all, He says, if possible. What does that mean? Sometimes it may not be possible. So far as depends on you, you got to do your part as all as you can do, and if possible, which means sometimes you can do all you can do to be as peaceable as you can be and live in as much harmony as you can live in, and some people don't want to act right. I had a young man, just today I got this story. We had a young man this week, I ain't calling no names, that went to school and somebody else didn't want to live in harmony. Somebody else didn't want to be peaceable. And they wanted to slap and slap and hit and poke. And he goes, 
Please stop. And we continue with the hit and the poke and the slap. And he goes, last warning. I done told you twice. The next time things is going to get real. Slap, poke, punch, poke, slap. And his anti-bullying plan went into effect. Thunder and lightning come out of the bag. You know what I mean? And he put a knot on the head and guess what happened? We was peaceful the rest of the day. (laughs) Huh? And I'll tell you this, for the rest of the week, he didn't have no problems. See, sometimes people push you. Listen, it, it says what it says and Paul means what he says. To live in harmony with one another. That's what he desires from us. But you know what the best part of this whole story that I just told you is? When the dad got the call from the school, which is the part I dreaded to hear about, he said, when I heard it was your son, I said, we got to hear this whole story because this is not his character. He is, this has not happened before. This is not the kid that he is. So you know what? It was obviously his last resort. His character said he wouldn't do that. Right? And his character is based on his behavior previous to this. That ought to be you and I. When it comes to living in harmony, the, when you hear that Nick had to do something crazy, you ought to go, no, nah, we got to hear all this story because that's not who he is. Right? When you, when you see live peaceably with all, I want you to think of me. But when I snapped, I want you to know that I didn't snap because I wanted to snap. <laughs> I snapped because it wasn't possible. Right? Not because it was my desire to do that. Not because it's your desire to live anything except for in harmony with people. But there comes a point for some situations that people just won't live in. They won't let you be peaceable. And when they get to that point, you can't lay down and be the doormat of this world. God did not call you to just let folks run over you for you to be pushed around and shoved around and treated higher. Hey, we're that way in our society, in our country right now. Freedom of religion means for everybody but Christians right now. And at some point, we've got to quit going, well, we're supposed to live in harmony and be peace, and stand up and go, hey, enough's enough. We've, we've harmonized as much as we can harmonize and we ain't, we ain't making no ground. It's time for us to be heard. It's time for somebody to stand up and go, hey, that freedom of religion thing means me too. Oh yeah, and this thing about this, this, uh, what do they call it, separation of church and state, it don't exist. It's not there. Y'all have made that into something. It was a letter from a president to a church that said we'll never get involved in your business. It didn't say that y'all can't be involved in the government. Enough. We've tried to be peaceably. We've tried to live peaceably. We've tried to be harmonious and, and, and live in harmony with you. But at some point, it's got to stop. At some point, we've got to stand for what God says to stand for. And that's what this is talking. That's exactly what Paul is saying in this. As Christians, don't let, don't let the world see you as, as, uh, as um, um, sh- uh, short triggered. That ain't what, short fuse. Right? You do everything you can do to live in harmony with everybody you possibly can. And listen, this is even more important. If we can't master getting along in here, 
How are we ever going to go out there and get along with anybody? Because I'm supposed to be surrounded by a bunch of like-minded folks in here for the most part, right? So we're all supposed to be reaching for this. Do you know what keeps it from happening? Self. I want what I want when I want it, right? We got we to put self aside. In order to live in harmony, you're going to have to put self aside. In order for you to be what God has called you to be, you're going to have to put self aside. Listen, I've already named off pride, jealousy, and selfishness this morning. That's, that's just in two verses we're talked about, right? These are all things that keep us from looking like or, or displaying these traits. We're, we're supposed to be images of God's glory in this world so that the world around us looks at us and sees God so that we can stand back and point when they say, ooh, there's something special about them. It's Him that's special, not me. It, it's Him. But we can't do that if we look just like the rest of the world. We can't do that. I came into a rock quarry this week, <clears throat> and I, and I kind of got a little bit proud on this one. I'll just be honest with you. I had to go in and uh, they had a machine they had cut off down in the hole. It wouldn't start. I went down there and checked it and, and took a big old pry bar and told that guy to get up there and crank it. Wow! And hit that starter, and it started. I said, you need a starter, but if you don't cut it off, you can run the rest of the day. So they knew I was down there, all the guys, and I got a CB radio in my truck, and that's how they communicate with one another, loader operators and plant operators and truck drivers, and everybody's talking to one another on this CB radio. I put one in my truck, so when I go down there, I can say, hey, guys, I'm down here. Please don't run over me because <laughs> they don't always see you. I mean, those guys are doing things, just they've been doing it all day. Go up this ramp, dump a load, back down this ramp, get another scoop, back up, go up, and, and they're supposed to look behind them every time, but it gets monotonous. So I want to be able to go, hey, 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 old Nick's in the, in the pit. And then hang that thing up and then the chatter will start. Well, I went down there and done my thing, got the loader back running, was going back up to the top to tell the boss that uh, what I'd found and we need to order a part and they'd go get a part, whatever. Well, I was coming out of there and they're always talking sideways. Bunch of men, bunch of grown men, potty mouth, grown men. So normally I have to end up reaching up there and turning that thing off unless I need to talk to them. I don't really want to hear the rest of what they're saying. Well, one of them made a comment and he altered his verbiage so it wouldn't be nasty. Well, then they started making fun of him, laughing at him. You said, what? Why did you say that? Why did you just say what you mean? And he goes, hey, Brother Nick's in the pit. I was trying to be respectful. And I went, aha. I've lived in a way in front of at least this guy to say there's something different about me. And what it is is he's never heard me talk like that. He's never, even in a ground conversation where we're standing around, I've never got involved in that when I was in front of him, obviously. I've never contributed to that in any way because I've never went down there and announced to him who I am, right? In order for you to have that impact, you can't look like the rest of the world. In order for that to be the case, you've got to be something different. I didn't ever ask this guy not to talk like that in front of me. But he chose. I heard it out of my own ears. My CB radio was still on when he said, hey, Brother Nick was in the pit. I was just trying to be respectful. And I picked up the microphone and said, Brother, I sure do appreciate that. 
out of all the garbage I hear on this crazy radio when I come down here, that right there says volumes about who you are. And I hung it up and cut it off because I knew it was fixing to get ugly. <laughs> but hey, I've got that option, right? Cut it off. I don't have to listen to it. I have that power. When we're standing face to face, I may not have that power. But when that scenario, all I got to do is turn her off, click, and it goes off. But it's, you've got to live in a way that the rest of the world sees something different in you. When was the last time you've seen a group of people live in harmony? They can't get along with one another. But if they could look in the church and see this harmony, then we would have just one more thing that they desire because it's not available anywhere else. Right? Don't that make sense? See, what you got to look at is what you're selling. you got to look at what you're... And what we're selling is Christianity, so to speak. That's what we're trying to put on display so the rest of the world will want some of it. you got to look and ask yourself, would I buy what I'm selling? And if the answer is no, you've got some adjustments to make. If the answer is no, you've got to self-evaluate and find out why. Because if what you're putting on display, the rest of the world don't want no part of, you're not fulfilling your purpose to be a reflection of His glory. See, they're looking for something. They're looking for something to worship. They are. We were hardwired to worship. And what they're worshiping keeps letting them down. It does. Just talk to them a little while. You'll see. But if you could offer them something else to worship. See, remember, I'm not talking about Christians. I'm not talking about somebody that has a knowledge. I'm talking about people that's just going by their eye. Oh, that looks good. Let me get that. Oh, that looks good. Let me get that. Right? Ain't that how our society works? Uh, it must be because they spend millions and millions and millions of dollars a year on commercials to put on TV just so you can see it. Right? So it's your eyes what they're trying to catch. So what we got to do as a church, as a Christian, not as a church, as a Christian, is catch their eye. In other words, you've got to have something that looks attractive. If it looks like the, what the rest of the world's got, they're not coming for that. But if you can show them that it's different, if they can see by looking at you that what you have is different, then maybe, just maybe, they'll be interested in it. This whole list of characteristics that Paul says we should have as Christians is so that the rest of the world will see something in us they don't see anywhere else. We'll stand out as something different and have what they desire. But we've got to put it on display. Let's, let's, let's go just a little bit further and we're going to wrap it up. <clears throat> in verse 16, live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Look at this next statement. This next statement will help you better understand that statement. Never be wise in your own sight. Never be wise in your own sight. <clears throat> I was told a long time ago, let's see, you can keep your mouth shut and let people think you're dumb, or you can open it and prove them right. 
So you don't have to walk around advertising your knowledge and your wisdom. Never be wise in your own sight. Right? Never get to a point where you think you've got it all figured out. This goes back to that statement before that about being haughty. Right? Because what happens is when you think your wisdom is, is up here and you think you've got it figured out, then you get to a place where you look down your nose at people. You get to a place, well, well, they ought to be better than that. Well, you're not. Well, yes, I am. There's your problem. Your wisdom is in your own sight. See, you've got to live in a way that other people look at you and just see your wisdom. You don't have to walk around with a billboard and, and, a, and, a, and a sign and a t-shirt telling how wise you are. When you live your life the right way, people look at you and go, there's something different about them. They seem to be a little wiser than everybody else. And then that will also keep you in a place of humility. What have we talked about this morning? Selfishness, jealousy, right? Pride, huh? You know what trumps all that and will take all of that stuff out of you? is humility. When you can humble yourself. And listen to me, here's another advantage to humbling yourself. If you'll humble yourself, God won't do it. <laughs> he won't have to do it. Because I'm going to assure you, when He humbles you, But if you can stay in a place of humility, if you can stay humble, if you cannot view yourself as wise, if you cannot be haughty, if you cannot look down your nose at somebody, it says to associate with the lowly. Those are the people you ought to be reaching for, right? Is the humble, the, the lowly, the, the ones that are, that are uh, uh, considered by the rest of the world to be less than everybody else. That's where we ought to desire to be, right? Is with those people. Associate with those people. Associate with the lowly. See, that's, that's where humility is going to come from because if not, you're just going to be trying to put your wisdom on display and as a Christian, you're going to find out real quick you ain't got what you thought you had. When God humbles you, that's a place of humility. And I mean, it ain't no telling what He'll do to get you there. But if you can live a life that tries to keep you there and try to help yourself stay there, and again, None of these things are possible in and of yourself. Don't lose sight of that. Don't lose sight. I'm not up here preaching that you ought to act a certain way and do a certain thing and you ought to master this and be good at that. No, these are all traits that are only possible if you have the Holy Spirit indwelling in you and you're mindful of His presence. And you're listening to His guidance. Montana made the statement just a couple weeks ago. That she don't have no patience. I say, boy, I hope you do. Because patience is a fruit of the Spirit. And if the Spirit dwells inside of you, you have patience. What you should say is, I choose not to use my patience. That's a more true statement. Because the fruits of the Spirit, if the Spirit dwells inside of you, are present in you, you've just chosen not to bring them to the top and put them into practice. You've got to put those things on display. Here we go. I'm getting close. Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. Repay no one evil for evil. Repay no one evil for evil. Now, Brother Nick, you just told us that this kid was 
doing the right thing by standing up for yourself. Now, listen. Listen to me. Let's separate these things and let's do it in the right manner. Revenge is not where we're at. According to the Scriptures we're about to see, if you keep reading this, vengeance is mine, right? Says the Lord. I never have permission to go take out vengeance, to retaliate or to get somebody back. But what I do have, if possible, so far as depends on you, is, is the right, I guess you would say, to stop evil. Not to repay it. I'm not, there's two different things. You see that, right? There's a difference in going and paying back and getting vengeance and stopping an act. That's two different things. This isn't that a kid picked on me last week. When I get there next week, I'm going to bust him in the mouth. That's never okay. That's, that's, not, that's vengeance. We're never to be vengeful ever. We don't have permission to do that. What I was talking about earlier is to live in harmony as much as you possibly can. All you got in you to live in harmony and then try to, when the, when the evil doesn't stop with the harmony, then you put a stop to it. But this isn't vengeance. This isn't repaying evil for evil. Repaying is it's already happened, now I'm going back to take care of it. We never have permission to do that. Vengeance is mine, says the Lord. It's two different things. Don't lose sight of that. Look at here. Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. There was an officer who went into a home a few months ago, a couple months ago now. She thought for some reason she was going into her home and somebody was there that wasn't supposed to be there, she fired down on them and killed them. Come to find out, she's the one that was in the wrong. She went in the wrong house. She wasn't supposed to be where she was at, and she thought they were, right? This guy's brother who she killed got on the witness stand and told her in front of all eyes, First of all, I forgive you for what you've done. And second of all, I love you because Christ loves me. And I'm praying that you find Christ through this. See, that's not repaying evil for evil. That's putting something on display the rest of the world cannot put on display. They, it ain't in a normal person. It ain't in a person who does not have Christ to act that way then the judge comes... First of all, the guy asked, can I go give her a hug? And he was granted permission. And he went and hugged her neck and told her he loved her. Then the judge comes back after everything's said and done, sentence is over with, the judge comes back and spends two hours with this lady sharing the gospel and give her her Bible. She said, this is the Bible that I use in my chambers every day before I come in this room. There's nothing special about this Bible except it is God's Word, that's all. And give that to her and encourage her to spend time in that while she was... That is, that is this. That is characteristics and traits that you don't see in anybody but a Christian. 
You don't have the ability to operate under those circumstances, under those terms, except for the presence of the Holy Spirit. Without the guidance of the Spirit, you can't do those things. But that's what he's talking about. Do not repay evil for evil. As a matter of fact, he goes on to say, overcome evil with good. In other words, you've got to do more good than they're doing evil so you can overcome that. That way you don't fall into the trap of wanting to put evil on top of evil to make things right that don't ever make things right. And never do we have permission to go get vengeance. Ever. You have permission to stop evil when you've done everything else to try to get it to stop and it won't stop and they won't live peaceable, do all you can do to live peaceable, right? That's what it says. Do all you can do. Do everything you can possibly do. If it don't stop, you stop it. But that's where it ends. Is it stopped and it's over. But never do you have permission to go repay, to go get vengeance. Vengeance is mine says the Lord. Matter of fact, when I take out vengeance, what I'm doing is I'm looking at God and going, number one, I don't trust you're going to do it. And number two, I don't think you can do good enough as I can do as good as I can at doing the vengeance. That's what we're telling you. Number one, we don't trust you. And number one, I think I'm better at it than you are. Right? That's what we're saying. Because He's told us in His Word, He's going to take care of it. Vengeance is mine, says the Lord. He's going to take care of it. And then He gives us instructions to never repay evil for evil. Because it does not come out to good. Ever. Ever, ever. This whole series has been about us putting things on display that point people to Christ. Over and over and over and over again. It's about doing away with the things that are natural to us. And taking on things that are supernatural. That don't, that don't come out of us naturally. You can't do that by just snapping your fingers and go, okay, I'm not going to do it anymore. I'm just going to be good. I'm just going to put these things. You have to practice these things. So the reason I'm telling you that is when you set out to be this example, when you set out to look like this, the first time you fail, you can't throw your hands in there and say, well, I knew I couldn't do it anyway, and go back to who you were. You have to work at these things. You have to put time into these things. It's a process. These things are not natural to you. So when things get crazy and this ain't what you've always done, guess what you're going to go back to? What you've always done. And guess what that is? Opposite of this. Every time. Every time. But that don't mean that that's not a sign for you to quit and you ain't going to be successful at it. It's a sign that you need to work a little more and dig a little deeper and try a little harder and pray more and depend on God more. It's just proof that it's not in and of yourself that these things are accomplished. But it doesn't mean it's impossible. It just means you've got to stay with it and dig at it. But I don't in any way want you to believe that it's because of your hard work that you can do these things because you can't. You can work as hard as you want to, Adam, and you'll never be able to do it. It's about your dependency on God and your ability to follow the Spirit and to be guided for you to relinquish control and not be self. Right? 
So dig at these things. Take these things serious. Again, um, <clears throat> it's not going to come natural to you, so it's not going to be easy for you, and it's not going to be something you can conquer in a week. It's going to be a process. Go back and read all of these things and look at all these things. Let love flourish, right? Let love flourish. Let love abound and abhor evil. That's where he started. Hate evil and love uh, love God because what's the only source of love that we have? It's God Himself, right? Hate evil, love God. That's what it all comes down to. That's where it's all at. 